Welcome, welcome, welcome! Show that comes to you once a week covering the Hollywood week that was. Uh, getting you ready for the Holly Weird week to come. This is Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly. Hashtag MMO Weekly. Hashtag MMOW. I am your co-host, Mike. One that's co-host. Also, Mike. Another week. Another batch of crazy stories. <laughs> and I'm just so shocked that every single week the Hollywood press is able to dig these things up and, and give them to us. So we got a lot to talk about, a lot of movies to review, a lot of six degrees to MMO. Yeah. A lot of stuff going on. And we have, uh, for the first time in a couple weeks here, our first Oscar race update to talk about. So I guess we can slide right into that cool. and get you ready for it. So uh, here we go. The Oscar goes to... And the winner is... And the Oscar goes to... The winner is... The Oscar goes to... MMOW's Oscar race update. So, Mike, Rebecca Keegan of The Hollywood Reporter, she had an article about a new streaming platform for Academy members. This will go over well with Twitter. So it means a, yeah, it means a couple things that actually will you know contribute to the race. Uh, the academy is not so subtly letting us all know that its membership fails to watch all the movies it's supposed to watch. Yes, not anything that people weren't clued into either. Not shocking, yeah. but uh, definitely it is an admission of yep. guilt there because no they're trying to make all these nominated films more readily available and all the films up for consideration, up to be nominated, more readily readily available. So. This is definitely one of the undercurrents throughout the article, and basically Rebecca Keegan just says it at one point, so I thought that was fascinating. I loved how she wrote this. My biggest takeaway, though, is how did they not have this years ago? What are they doing? I assume this was already out there. I know they have screeners and that whole process, but if you may put these things basically in everybody's phone, put them in everybody's laptop... On one make it a more, streaming service. Yeah, more yeah. readily available, they'll watch them more often. Would anything put a nail into Steven Spielberg's coffin about streaming not being up for Academy recognition than giving the Academy members a streaming service to watch all these movies on. They just, they they (laughs) had, everybody has a plank in their eye over there. It's the whole Bible verse with take the speck out of your eye, but I got a plank in mine. Everybody, it's just so hypocritical because they're all getting mad at the streaming war, you know, wars mm. taking away from, and especially Spielberg, and then yet the entire Academy is probably watching these movies on, on DVDs and on now on devices. Spielberg's got to come out against this, right? He has to, like, he has to come has out to. and say, this is a terrible idea, don't do this. Because God to. forbid if he's ever caught screening a movie on the streaming service if anybody, and then voting for it. If anybody watches him watch a movie on a plane, right. they should scream at him. Like, like, if he sees any of these and votes for them without seeing them in theaters, that totally undercuts his entire argument. Absolutely. I, I, I think it's a great idea. I think it makes a lot of sense. And anything where you get, because there is so obviously a, a lack of awareness for the Academy in some of these movies. I mean, it's so painfully clear they don't see all of them as it is. So anything that makes these movies more readily available to be seen, yeah. I think is a great idea for voting purposes. Yes, I'm all in favor of it. And it tells you that Roma kind of had that because everybody has a Netflix account pretty much. Mm-hmm. And you assume that much. So Roma won some Oscars, probably could have won more. Mike, this also makes me think of how big a deal Moonlight was. Moonlight's this little independent film. I mean, just think about it. I thought this was already in existence. I thought this was already out there to where the Academy's, all right, most of them are watching Moonlight, right? Yeah. No, this is that's a really good point by you. Because uh-huh. knowing now, for a fact, like you bring up, that this isn't a thing that people already have access to, that people really are relying purely on screeners and exchange of DVDs mm-hmm. and people with getting around to it, watching things in their free time, which in and of itself is a faulty assumption because all the biggest people in Hollywood are always traveling anyway. How, like, how, when's the last time I think Jennifer Lawrence sat down in the theater to watch a movie? Well, they go to premieres, but yeah. Great. She probably <laughs> of has their a, own stuff. She probably has a home movie I'm theater. great in this. <laughs> you know? Like, like I, 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 yeah, I, I agree that this should be done... It absolutely does highlight the impossibility of Moonlight having to climb that and not only climb that that mountain, but doing so over something like La La Land, which you know everyone did see anyway. Right, in theaters. You know? Yeah, so I, I, yeah, that's that's astounding. And Moonlight, for even more reasons than previously mentioned, should be uh, 
respected for what it did and what it accomplished on that day. Definitely. And we got a couple stories this week, Mike. Roman Polanski. Uncle Roro, as we like to call him. Terrible man. Uh, He wants to get back (laughs) into the Academy. He's trying to sue the Academy to regain membership. Mike, do old white people hate the Academy enough? This is ridiculous, this story. Yeah, can you imagine if the Academy actually bent to this, Will? But the Academy uh, president in the last two weeks has been threatened to be sued by a president who just doesn't like that they give Meryl Streep a platform to rail against him mm-hmm. uh, on the basis of nothing, which I still have written out. It's five or six paragraphs in my computer, just in my notes and section. You're a lawyer, wait. so you, you can make that Oh, boy, judgment. is there yeah. a legal, lack of a legal basis. But our government wouldn't do anything without a lack of a legal basis. Uh, huh. And two, now we're getting sued by Roman Polanski, a pedophile. Okay, or allegedly a pedophile. I don't know if he's been convicted. I, I don't. I didn't do research. I don't like Roman Polanski. It's all icky. The audacity of this man, who's basically on the lam from the United States justice right. system. I mean, we know that much, right? He's on the lam. He he can get extradited if he goes to certain countries. Uh, so he must be to the U.S. So I, I don't know what his legal situation is. All I know is he is in Europe and he can't be here for reasons uh, that have to do with the fact that. Uh, you know, he's connected to an underage girl. Uh, t- this is Roman Polanski's sexual abuse case. Wikipedia, take it for what it's worth. Mar- what it's worth. March 77, film director Roman Polanski was arrested and charged in Los Angeles with five offenses against Samantha Gamier, 13-year-old girl, raped by use of drugs, etc. We're not going to get into all that. Uh, at his arraignment, Polanski pleaded not guilty to all charges, but later accepted a plea bargain whose terms included dismissal of the five initial charges in exchange for a guilty plea to the lesser charge of engaging in all unlawful sexual intercourse so he is a criminal so i did have that wrong though that he's on the lam but he's not in the united states for a reason Uh, no he's on the lam he fled uh he he, upon learning he was likely to face imprisonment and deportation plans he fled to france in february of 78 so yeah he's on he's He's a fugitive of justice yeah that's well yeah because he plead yeah to guilty yeah to raping he took a he took a lesser charge to get out of more charges with the understanding that there would be jail time attached. And I he said, know you know what? Instead of jail time, deuces, America. I'm out. So he's kicked out of the... Number one, why is he in the academy for all these years when the guy's on the lam from the justice system? That's effed up. Number two, he and Bill Cosby are kicked out of the academy last year for violating their newfound ethical policy program. You know, John Oliver, when talking about the WWE episode he did a couple weeks ago and how the, the independent contractors don't have health care even though they're exclusive to Vince McMahon's brand and the hypocrisy of yep. that. Uh, he talked about something, it was a little tongue-in-cheek, but it made, it, it has a basis in reality. When the NFL has higher standards than you, mm. you've lost. Oh, right? no. Like, when, when the NFL is taking yeah. care, when, when you have a bad record now, a bad personal conduct off-the-field record in the NFL, you're suspended, you're expelled, you're kicked out of the league, you're, you're held without pay. Why are professional athletes being held to a higher standard than regular people? You don't, like, you shouldn't do these things. That's obvious. If you do these things, no, of course not. You don't get privileges like being part of the academy. The bottom line is just out of control. I mean, the guy's a great filmmaker. Yeah, of course he is, but, but good for him. But Kevin Spacey but. was a great actor. He's a great actor. You know, it doesn't excuse any of this. No, dude, just get him off our screens. And yeah, don't let him back in the academy, please. <laughs> okay, that's kind of the crappy part of this this news uh, roundup here for this Oscar so Race update. It's so sad that Oscar Race Update continually has us commenting on these types yeah. of stories. We have to. I guess it's it's we a good, to. you know, it's changing of the times. Victims are coming out and fe- being more fearless about speaking out. And that part of it is really good. And hopefully it serves as a part of a therapeutic uh, 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 reassuring them and getting them, you know, part of their therapy. That's good, and there's more outlets for them to do that, and there is more uh, people like you and I, as small as we are, to comment and pass comment on these, and the national conversation is definitely changing towards one of less skepticism against people who do squeak out. That's all good things. Those are good things. The bad of it is, of course, naturally, that our heroes, not to say Roman Polanski was anyone's hero, but people we hold in formerly high esteem... So many of them seem to have disgusting underbellies and disgusting histories that are coming to the light that uh, haven't in the past. And it's tough to tough to deal with all of that it, at once. It's disheartening. Yeah. There's no question. That's a good word for it. Thank you for finding that. There's no question. Uh, that's the sad part of the news yeah. update. We do have some happy news because the Cannes Film Festival announced their quote-unquote full list. Uh, some notable entries, Mike, but first I want to talk about 
a movie that is not on that list, and that is Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's not there yet. Is this surprising? I don't necessarily think so because Can is notorious for adding, you know, movies late in the game after a, a filmmaker rushes to finish it. We've seen this happen many times before. But bottom line is Tarantino debuts m- most of his films at Can. It might be at all of his films. I didn't yeah. look up that stat. So why hasn't this been added yet? But I do think like they don't have they don't give all the special events up yet at Can. Oh, like so they have opening night. Sneak in. So they're keeping some Okay special events open for easily rather than have to demote somebody else's movie they're keeping those open so my guess is that it'll wind up there but the can president uh said some interesting things he said they he quote hopes to add it so the so the well, you wonder if it's not there already is there something wrong with the movie and then of course he says look i've I, what i've seen from the film already is quote magnificent so that he reassures people because he knows what they're going to think right it's kind of a weird uh a changing thing going on in hollywood too as far as advanced screenings go and i don't know if it applies more to film festivals or not but you think about something like we're recording this on a saturday yes uh it's going to come out monday the same but we're a day behind so if any big news happens on sunday we won't be able to cover it unfortunately but we're recording this on a saturday and but it's a saturday of Endgame week, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there's been no sneak previews of Endgame yet because they know that movie's going to make a billion dollars, so there haven't really been any advanced screenings. No reason. To. So I wonder if we're entering this new well, period. The whole spoiler thing, like, don't, don't spoil it the It leaked Endgame. online. Yeah, yeah, that has to know, do there with... Was some, there was some spoilers that leaked online. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, some people are going to see it first, but it's only going to be like, I think it comes out a day ahead okay. uh, overseas okay. or two days ahead. The point is, th- we don't have these... At least for something like Endgame, there wasn't the delay between advanced screening a couple weeks before and when the public gets it. I wonder if that's going to be something new. That seems to happen more often with the bigger movies. So I wonder... Tarantino knows this is going to make money, regardless right. of if it's seen at can or not. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that's kind of a new uh, paradigm for Hollywood we're entering. If when you have a surefire thing that's going to make money regardless, maybe the thinking is turning, why am I going to show this off ahead of time? <laughs> It's going to get good word of mouth. The only thing that could possibly risk if I show it out ahead of time is if it gets bad word of mouth. So why would I risk that? And why not just get the box office? I'm going to get an opening day anyway. That's a fascinating take. I, I, like, I like that take. Yeah, could be. Could be. I, di- I didn't think about it that way at all. So that's, that's, that is that's uh, that's interesting for them. Why gamble? When right. We have to I mean, that's, that's just sense. at least how I, it struck me because... I mean, if there's a director that doesn't need to hype up a film anymore, yeah. we have two of them this year, right? And they had so a great trailer. Tarantino, yeah. Great trailer so, yeah. that we loved. So, uh, in terms of some other highlights from that, the list of films that can. Pedro Almodovar's Pain and Glory, we've mentioned this before, mm-hmm. starring Penelope Cruz, Antonio Banderas. Premise reads, a film director reflects on the choices he's made in life as past and present come crashing down around him. I figured this premise would get your goat, Mike. Sounds like a weekly Mike, Mike, and Oscar <laughs> weekly recording session. It's a bit on the <laughs> Why nose. and how did we get here? <laughs> the worst movie ever made from Chris Reinecker at the end of that interview is yeah. kind of like this, but we obviously... The film adaptation, uh, quote adaptation with Nick Cage, Spike Jones, Charlie Kaufman film, that was about the the difficulty of you know art, right? The, the artistic process. So if it anybody can, can do be it, done. it can be done. Yes. Almodovar has made a ton of great films that I love, and uh, he could probably do it. So you know, fingers crossed. A guy who's been hit and missed, though, Terrence Malick's mm-hmm. A Hidden Life, starring the Mustangs' Matthew Schoenarts. It's going to be the year for Matthew Schoenarts, Mike. Mark my words. Okay. Dragon Tattoos, the original Swedish versions, Michael Nyquist, uh, the Austrian fans, Jagerstadter. Sorry, Jagerstadter. Thank uh, you. A conscientious, <laughs> conscientious objector refuses to fight for the Nazis in World War II. I don't have any thoughts on this <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> terrence malick he's an acquired taste you got to get ready for him uh he's making a movie about a conscientious objector that is probably going to take a lot of long walks pondering life and and not war right is or, 2019 going to be the year of um, not to have of war. things talking about the action instead of show, like Tolkien is going to have a lot of talking about Game of Thrones or Game of Thrones Jesus Christ Could be. got a lot of talking about The Hobbit but not showing it and now this one's going to have a lot of talking about war I would it. like a return to form from Terrence Malick I really would but I, it, at the very least, it's going to be a lot of walking and thinking and beautiful imagery on the screen. <laughs> so that'll be that'll play perfectly to can. Whereas uh, I don't know what Once Upon a Time in Hollywood would do because Tarantino could you know definitely hit the bees nest off the tree at times with all of his stuff. Are you a big Terrence Malick fan? 
I like some of his movies. I can't like rewatch them. They're not very rewatchable. So it's like one of those things you get through the experience. You see it on the big screen. It's worthwhile. You got to be ready for a three-hour epic, visual epic, really. Tree of Life was probably his most notable, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I saw that in a big screen. My God, that looked great for you know whatever it was, two and a half hours. Uh, does it? Would I ever rewatch that movie again? I don't know. Right. Yeah, good point. But beautiful. Absolutely sure. yeah, gorgeous. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. What that man can do with a camera yeah. is incredible. Mike, we got four women in competition this year at the Cannes Film Festival. Cool. I think that's more than any ever uh, with their films. We have Jessica Hosner's uh, Little Joe. You have Daphne, Daphne's Emily Beecham. And from Mary Poppins Returns, Ben Wishaw. My mortal enemy. Little Joe's premise reads, a genetically engineered plant scatters its seeds and seems to cause uncanny changes on living creatures. The afflicted appear strange as if they were replaced, especially for those who are close to them. Or is it all just imagination? Did you like this the first time when it was M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening? <laughs> Isn't it like blindness? Didn't like Morellas make a film about this too? It's The Happening crossed with Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Celine Shiama's Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Great title. That is a great title. With Adele Heinel. She's in a lot of good French movies. On an isolated island in Bretagne, at the end of the 18th century, a female painter is obliged to paint a wedding portrait of a young woman's portrait of a lady on fire. How about, how about that uh, synopsis? You're just going to paint a lady. <laughs> on fire. Here's the part you didn't know, subject of mine. Fire. Yeah. <laughs> Hold this gas can, please. Get the sketch and get it quickly. <laughs> Capture the essence. That is terrible. That probably, that's probably going to be an Oscar nomination. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, you're, you're reading all these titles that are clearly more art and independent-induced films. Right. Do you think of these that you've named so far, and you're going to name another one here, it sounds like a horror movie, Parasite, but do you think any of these hold up to Oscar stuff if you had to pick one of them? In the past, they do. Black Klansman was at Cannes last year. I mean, I just, I, but Black I've Klansman moved. had Spike. You know, it had that kind of hair lineage attached to it everyone knew it going in I think these are more kind of more surprising ones every year there's a couple though that's true every, every year from Cannes people do grasp Sundance, on some indies yeah there, no there, question there's a couple uh, we have June Hobong one of our favorite filmmakers you loved Okja yes. I think we both like Snowpiercer yep. uh, I like Memories of Murder and the Host he has a new film and this is a new Korean film so it's not like an American film English language mm-hmm. film as far as I could tell called Parasite like you said the premise reads all unemployed Kai Tech's family takes particular interest in the parks for their livelihood until they all get entangled in an unexpected incident. Very vague. He's very keen on class warfare and classism in in whatever society he's concentrating on. That's kind of the backdrop for Oak Tree. That's kind of the backdrop for Snowpiercer. So it would not surprise me to see that this is going to be along those lines as well. It seems to have a darker tone to it, which I'm fine with. Unexpected incident at a and with protagonists that are park rangers, movie called Parasite. That's interesting. It's about Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, the opening night film that we already previewed was The Dead Don't Die. I think this was announced earlier, but obviously directed by Jim Jarmusch, starring everyone. So that is our highlights of the Cannes Festival lineup at this moment. It's going to have something to do with the Oscars, though. So Yeah, of course, and, and you made worthy. a good point there, and it's what happens every year. There's some indie that doesn't, you know, it seems lately the indies that have gotten momentum to Oscar glory have mm-hmm. been ones that people are excited about going in, though, right? right? Or am I a little nuts here? Like, Shape of Water, people were excited about Guillermo del Toro yep. doing a monster movie going in. Something like Black Klansman, like I just said, it had the lineage attached to it. Spike Lee, people were excited about it going in. So the last movie that kind of came from out of nowhere, maybe Get Out, mm-hmm. but still Jordan Peele was a known quantity. But then again, we were excited to talk about how great Get Out actually was yeah. after it came out earlier in the year at a very non-traditional ramp up for an Oscar film. So a different way to get at what you were saying, yeah. but I think you're right. I think you're hitting on something here because no, that lineup doesn't dazzle me mm. in the sense that this is overwhelmingly right. going to be the Oscar best picture 5 out of 10, right? right. I, I don't necessarily think that that's what's happening yet, but at the same time, you know, the the book's not closed on the Cannes Film Festival. No, of so course not. Of we'll course get some not. more. Obviously, if you get Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, there's your headliner. Sure. And that's why I started the whole Oscar race update, or at least that segment of it, with that film. So, Mike, we got... Go ahead. 
a, a segment now. <laughs> I'm going to build into this it. It's like a Joe Cocker song. This is... Maybe! Uh, this is what we're watching. <laughs> Mike, I want you to go first because I've been talking too much. So what have you been watching this I've been re-watching week? the Scream movies. Uh, Good. I forget who did it on, on Twitter. Uh, somebody just happened to put in that they're waiting for Scream 5 mm-hmm. just as I was finishing my watch on Scream 3. And I had to hold myself back from diving into their comments and it's... just like writing everything <laughs> like, Yes, of course we should have Scream 5. Here are the 13,000 reasons why we should. Of course, I'm such a jerk. Number one, this, this, uh, number one, yeah. I am being a jerk with what I'm about to say to you. Fair, because you tweeted out that you were watching Scream One during wow, all the yeah. Game of that Thrones. That was me being a troll. Yeah, that was me being an ass. The Game of Thrones mania. So to me, this is me psychoanalyzing you as you know you pick things to watch <laughs> during your week. Right. Mike, this feels like such a self-hug. <laughs> this is just you. You're missing out on the phenomena of the, oh, yeah. of the year. And oh, I'm going to watch one of my favorite things <laughs> yeah. instead. Yeah, because I'm alone. <laughs> Everybody else is having fun. I want to have fun. No, that's exactly what Self-hug, it was. <laughs> but I'm glad you could do this. I'm glad you could take refuge in one of your favorite movie franchises. Uh, I, do, I, I do. I would love to see Screen 5. And I was now I'm, I've sold myself... Mm-hmm. I'm thinking it should be Jordan Peele's next endeavor, mm. even though he's kind of been dancing around the idea of a Candyman reboot, which I think makes a ton more sense anyway. But and not just because of the whole the racial differences between the two franchises, but uh, I think the Candyman is something that's kind of forgotten in horror history, and it shouldn't be. Um, sure. But I would love to see, and we're both on the train of Jordan Peele's next film should be seventy-five million, hundred million dollar budget, right? He should yeah. be, get a lot to play with because he's done nothing but to return. A profit of like twenty x to right. Universal Be between his both films. So I, I would love to see somebody like that. Then I hesitate because I'm like, mm-hmm. isn't that a lazy answer? Like, isn't Jordan Peele the only answer now for any horror movie going forward? True. I wonder how he would do with an established property because so much of what he's about right now is the unexpected. Right. You're getting a different kind of horror film. Right. A think piece. I so much guess more. he kind of, even though it's not his franchise, he's doing a little bit of that with the Twilight Zone on All Access right now. Right. Which is kind of getting a, a differing reviews, at least from what I've seen. Have you watched any of it? I, I have not. I, I haven't not. either. Um, but I, I am curious to, to see, I would love to see, for that reason, him taking established property, especially with a returning cast. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that film's getting made without Wes Craven, who is, you know, God rest his soul, he, he's passed on. Mm-hmm. Kevin Williamson has talked about doing it. Nev Campbell has come out and said she doesn't want to do it if Wes isn't involved. Yeah. So I think it would take a guy like a Jordan Peele to get it off the ground. Um, which is, I, I, you know, I have hope for, even though there's been... This might be cynical of me, but it's going to get off the ground because there's too much money at stake, isn't there? It's too I big know, of man. a deal. I don't know, man. 4 didn't make a lot. It made, it's, 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 it made a profit, but it didn't make a lot of money. But they're watching Halloween make the money it's making. Yeah, true. If Candyman gets remade and, and makes money, if Child's Play makes money, they're point. watching all these, you know, classic horrors of the 80s, you know, these new classics make all this money, it's probably going to happen. Um, no, I'm on board. You've, you've convinced me. We should make this. <laughs> <laughs> Fan film. Let's just go large with it. Let's do it. What as else? far as what I've been watching, that's, that has been pretty much it. I've dabbled. You know, I've been watching my reality shows, of course. The NBA playoffs have been going on. I talked about that last week as well. The MLB season's underway. I'm a big sports junkie, big Yankees fan. Yeah, I've been watching the Yankees, too. That. And I wa- I've been watching Veep, which is in its final oh, season, which is, which is just... It's mwah. It's so perfect. Wait, now Veep, there's it already started because I was just so... since third episode. Yeah, really. Yeah, it oh started God, a couple weeks before Game of Thrones. I watched every episode of Veep right, until sure. now. Yeah. What am I doing? Uh, well, you're worrying about Game of Thrones is what you're doing. It is literally what I'm doing. Because Mike, <laughs> after Game of Thrones ends, there's like all these after shows, and then there are friends who have podcasts that I've been listening about too. So it's impossible. It's just all consuming. It really so you've is. been like just immersing yourself in the Westeros somewhat like yeah. half my week but here's the thing like we're doing this on the side of real life and we're immersing ourselves yeah. in Pixar and all these other things too Chris Reinecker all yeah. this stuff Chris yeah. Reinecker so which was a great uh, bunch of YouTube videos to yeah watch and I watch. we're recording this on April 20th it is 420 we talked about the stuff he's releasing for 420 I haven't I, I, last I looked before we hit record it wasn't up yet so I'm looking forward to watching that yeah we got up this morning and we just buried our heads in this yeah. as well uh, but I also have a few questions for you here yes see by skip uh-huh. Screams one through four. This is splitting babies. Oh boy! I'm glad. Wait, one through four. Well, which ones did you watch last week? I watched watched them all. I did watch one through four. 
So you know you have to. So my. But here's the thing: you have to skip two. That's my. I gotta skip two. You get to buy one. You get to see one, and you have to never watch the other two again. Oh shit! And I love this because this is just (laughs) revenge. This is sweet revenge. Serve the deadliest of colds because of what you did to me last week. Last MMOW, I believe it was. It was Star Wars MCU, and what was it? It was something else that I loved. And it was Game of Thrones. You jerk, you. (laughs) And this is my version of vengeance. Uh, um, Swift and brutal. I'll keep talking until you answer. I think. Okay. <laughs> I had nothing else to say. I think I will speak slowly to buy more time. <laughs> I'll buy Scream One. Yeah. As much as that hurts my soul to admit. This this is. I'm very curious to see what you're going to say now. Because I figured that would be the case, because it's such a, you know, trailblazer. Yeah, but, but see, everybody would say that, you know? And I, 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 uh, I'm such a big fan of 2 and 3, and not everyone is. Right. 3 especially. I love 3. God damn it, I like 4 too. <laughs> I like Scream, is what I'm saying. People tuning in right now are just listening to you say, I like numbers. <laughs> I like numbers 2 and 3. I, I guess I will see, I'll see 3 and skip 2 and 4. Oh, yeah. no. Well, sit with that. <laughs> sit with that and enjoy it. Fuck. I feel like uh <laughs> I feel like Lady Tyrell right now. I'm just leaving you <laughs> everybody knows who I'm talking about. <laughs> Who's not Mike? I'm just gonna sit here silently and think about this for the next episode. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll do that. I'll, I'll buy one, I'll see three, and I'll skip two yeah, and four. This was t- terrible radio for the last minute and a half. <laughs> but I'm glad we got through that. But Question number two for you here, Mike. Maybe this will help you transition. What was the best thing you watched last week? Something new or something we already talked about? Best thing I saw this week with Kyrie's was Kyrie Irving's performance in Game Three against the Pacers last night. He's a big. He was insane. Big performance. He hit. He's so good and he's so frustrating as a Celtics fan. I know a lot of the best things we see because Mike and I are are big time sports fan. We're former athletes. We're still stuck in the past. We live in our glory years, like Bruce Springsteen's song. Former athletes is very generous. But he's so goddamn frustratingly good, and it annoys me, and I wish he was more of a team guy. Honestly, is he going to be a Nick next year, or is he going to be a Celtic? probably going to be a Laker, if I had to guess. Oh, you think so? Yeah. Wow. That would be a switcheroo yeah. on all our expectations. Yeah. All right. Mike, same question to you. What did you watch this week? I watched The Emperor's New Groove on Netflix. Really? The Disney movie? The Disney movie. The Disney animated movie, because I, I kind of put it on my watch list. So many people... When they were responding to our "What's your top oh, five yeah. Disney animated films?" so many people had this film on that list. I remembered nothing of it. I thought it was about the Emperor's New Clothes. Of course, I saw this movie back in the day. I got four younger brothers. I saw it umpteenth mm-hmm. times, and I remembered it once I've turned it on. But uh, Mike, I thought this was like meta humor for Disney animation. It was something so distinct and different from all the other Disney films because like this is like playing with all these screen screenwriting tricks. This has so many weird bizarre jokes. Talk about taking the principle that we've talked about with uh, the MCU and all the Disney stuff, you know, joking away the obvious objection. Right. There's literally a plot hole at the end of this movie and the characters just like shrug <laughs> at looking at the camera. Huh? How did they get there? Huh? It was just, it was really funny i thought that the you know audacity of that but uh i really enjoyed it it's a very quick little watch on netflix uh and another just like i don't know hurdle that they they leaped some crazy way like this main character is thoroughly unlikable to begin this movie and yet somehow they put a prologue and an epilogue or whatever you call that middle device when you have the the opening scene actually turn up in the middle of the movie that makes you care for the character Huh. And it's so genius in terms of storytelling. And it just salvages his character for the audience. Because otherwise, Act 1 is going to make you hate this person. And it just it, it's really smart screenwriting. So, heartwarming movie, nonetheless. That, that was nominated for an Oscar, too, back in uh, 2001. I could see it. It's, it's really fun. But it reminded me of Animaniacs. It reminded me of all the, the TV shows that we watched back in the 90s and early Coming 2000s. Coming home from school, yeah. Coming home from school because it was so wacky. And it was of that ilk more than it was like... My Funny Friend and did, Me yeah. was the song from that. Yeah, it makes it was, sense. Uh, compo- composed by Sting. 
Who was it? Yeah. Well, they were going to their 80s big names <laughs> at that period. Right. Yeah, um, Elton John, Phil Collins. That's cool. I mean, you know, Disney Animation Studios does get overlooked because we're doing this Pixar rewatch film. Right. Pixar was such a huge part of Disney from the mid-90s onward. So that's cool. I, I got to check that out. That's one that I've never seen, Emperor's New Groove. So Film Twitter got me to watch this next one, Mike. Okay. Just the same way. Uh, Cookie's Fortune, uh, Fatal Attraction Pod. The, uh, the the podcast about erotica thrillers. Okay. They tweeted at us a while back about Glenn Close movies and what would you recommend as Oscar people? Which, which Glenn Close movies should I have my partner podcast? I remember Close? this. What should I have them yep. watch? And so many people said Cookie's Fortune, which is a Robert Altman-directed movie about Glenn, with Glenn Close in it. I'd never seen it. Huh. Mike, what a strange movie. This is like such a slow burn. It, the the mor- morals and the ethics of this move, film are just like unlike anything I've ever seen. I can't believe it went there. Uh, I'll just put it that way. Conflict arises in the small town of Holly Springs when an old woman's death causes a variety of reactions amongst family and friends. Bizarre. Just totally bizarre. And it, a movie that Nothing really... Nothing that's ever been on my radar. I really I love it upon did you, you know, Did you know about, about it. it prior? I knew about it, and I knew it got great reviews. It was, it was on my big list of movies, and then huh. it kind of, you know, I kind of put it on the, all right, I got to watch this soon kind of list after Film Twitter had a big conversation. But this is Charles Dutton. This is Glenn Close, Julianne Moore, Liv Tyler, a, a bunch of big names, a bunch of great character actors. Great it is cast. a slow, slow burn. You got to be ready for a slower movie. But Robert Altman knows what he's doing. Finally, Mike, I watched... Well, not finally, because Game of Thrones is up. But <laughs> I, I watched High Life. This is the Robert Pattinson, Mia Goth... Glenn. Was this the sci-fi movie that had the bad screening, do you think? It could have been. It could have been. No oh, question. really? Okay. Yeah, it definitely could have been. Uh, Andre Benjamin's here as well. Michael, after the film festivals came out, uh, this was called Fifty Shades of Grey in Space. That's bullshit. There's a lot of I would sex. Hope so. There's a lot of sex stuff in in the middle of this movie, but no, this is not a science fiction adventure. This is a science fiction art film. This is highbrow science fiction. This is very slow and boring. It is boring. Uh, so but it's not the movie, annihilation. No, annihilation is a science fiction mystery kind of thing. That's that's. I like a movie like that okay. more. I even like something like The Fountain because at least those scenes just build and they have crescendos and one crescendo is bigger than the next, and it's just very in your face. This is like, all right, we're adrift in space and everything is suffocating, and it works as a psychological thriller in that regard. It also works in terms of the philosophy of it, like. I'm seeing, all right, Act 1's existentialists, Act 2's nihilist, Act 3's <laughs> existential nihilism. All those things came together for me just for my philosophy life in a way when I was dabbling in that in my first two years of college, thinking about being a philosophy major. Thankfully, I am not. <laughs> then again, thankfully, well, maybe I should have been. I would have went to law school. But anyway. That wouldn't have helped you. No. <laughs> I can tell you. I just not, That's not an insult towards you. I just mean the institution. So, so I got two more <laughs> things to say about highlight. Yeah. Because... I came away, or during this movie, it's just—it's not a pleasurable watch. Huh. And maybe right now I'm in the—I'm—I'm I'm just in the Game of Thrones, Pixar film watching, YouTube, adrenaline binge, junkie type. You know, stuff. I am satiated when I watch right. them. I need to be uh, someone who's just constantly entertained by stimulus. You're not ready for the ponderous slow burns. I do not have my movie watching uh, endurance right. yet. You know, I'm not in my art film We're not phase. in Oscar headspace yet. When we're in Oscar season, we watch everything. But usually I always do. But this particular season, this time around, we got the MCU. we got the Pixar rewatch. Talk about economy. Mile a minute. We're getting Weather's all getting of... nice. You just want to stare outside and go run. True. Yeah. but Or we stay inside and watch Pixar films. That's and, what I meant. Right. <laughs> but, Mike, we've also been, you know, preparing for all these content creators, these, you know, humongously... Sure successful YouTube people like Chris Reinecker and to watch I mean that can you be more entertained than watching Chicken Watcher and his his subscribe series not so subtle just kissing his butt there but well no that's it's a good point you're making too and that could speak to why the traditionally Oscar 
Centric movies, the movies that have Academy aspirations, yeah. get the releases later in the year, but also even more so the ones that at one time were considered to be Oscar movies, but the studios have second thoughts about them, are the ones that get released around this time of year than the yeah. February's, March, and April type releases. So, at least historically, obviously not all the time. So, here's my biggest takeaway from High Life uh, we have the In Session Film Podcast, a podcast I really respect, and they were my go to this morning because I okay. saw this. I saw this last night, and I was like, I got, I got to get some chatter on this movie. And I figured they were going to like it, because I, I listened, I followed their Twitter, and it seemed like they liked the movie. This is the mark of a good podcast, in my opinion, because I go to them, even when I know I'm probably going to disagree with them. Mm. And they wound up opening my mind to a lot of things about this movie. So my review of this film today is actually more balanced than I think it would have been. Like, I would have come, this movie sucked! It's boring! <laughs> I have no patience for this! The, the sex is awkward in the middle of the movie! Blah, blah, blah! This is not sunshine from, you know, a Danny Boyle. This right. is not 2001 A Space Odyssey, even though it's got some, you know, I, I, I feel a little bit of connection to that film. But bottom line, Mike, go listen to the Brandon and JD at the In Session Film Podcast. They do a great job covering this film. They really gave me my fix. It was, like, comforting to listen to their show after this. And it's something that I want to shoot for when we do review movies. Sure. So even if we do you know, disagree with the masses or we hate a movie that you love, hopefully at some point we'll get good <laughs> enough to where we're that way and you, we're still listenable. Yeah, In Session, another great pod. We we don't talk about them nearly enough, but they do a great job over there. All right. Uh, obviously, Game of Thrones Season 8 had its debut as well, so I, I won't include that. I won't make you for, force you to choose between that as again this I week. I purposely didn't review it yet <laughs> for that reason. Let's see if I skip here. Emperor's New Groove, Cookie's Fortune, High Life. So I'm skipping High Life, and I'm just going to listen to In Session Film Podcast. Makes sense. I'm buying Emperor's New Groove. I really I really thought that was terrific, and Cookie's Fortune was another solid watch, even though it was a little slow. So I'd see that again. I'd like to study it. The best thing I watched, though, this week, Mike, was Game of Thrones. <laughs> Season 8, <laughs> Episode 1. Can't, this is the latest... Uh, re recap. Get the latest GOT uh, review going. Ever. And that's, we're going to be notorious <laughs> for that this week because we record these on the weekend, Saturday mm -hmm. or Sunday mornings that come out, whatever, Monday or Sunday. And it's just impossible to for us to gather on Sunday night. So Mike gave me everything I loved. And I just want to say this uh, it, it means a lot when you've invested in long form storytelling. And I've been with these characters for seven years. So these you know, one line of, line of dialogue or one scene, it just has all these reverberations from years back. And if something I think might happen, if a scene makes You're me like think, glowing, talking about one of your like yeah. mentors over the year. I mean, well, you've seen, you've been this way with TV shows. Yeah, no, I, I get, get it. I with get Tony it. Sopranos, yeah. scummy as he is, I, mean, I absolutely get the it. The end of the Sopranos just means a lot. Yeah, and every little thing you dissect it. So that that's where I'm at. Well, you have what five episodes left now? Five episodes, There's only six episodes left, I think. Okay. And or maybe four episodes left, but bottom, I don't remember how long it is. I probably should know that. thought it was six episodes. As a freak, you, yeah. you're probably right. But bottom line is, so many things happened in episode one that were big payoffs and big teasers, and they, they all work. I, I am a puppet. I am putty in his hands at this moment. <laughs> I'm sure you're not the only one, and, and that certainly did take... Film Twitter, regular Twitter, Facebook, Insta it took everything by storm yes. uh, to the point where most brands were trying to find out a way to integrate what they were doing with the Game of Thrones thing. Uh, so that is certainly going to be a highlight. My God, when that show ends, I think the internet's going to explode. They'll have the prequel, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, let's move into some audience interaction stuff. Six Degrees of MMO this week. We're asking you to do Linda Cardellini, connecting him, or her, I should say, connecting her uh, to Game of Thrones, oddly enough, creator George R.R. Martin there. We had a lot of creative responses, some people that we haven't heard from yet, uh, first-timers that we're happy to give a shout-out to as well, Michael. Yes, Kyleen Walker at Kyleen Walker with a K. George R.R. Martin wrote the Beauty and the Beast TV series, which had We talked about that. Ron My Perlman. God, what a show. <laughs> We did. Ron Perlman uh, in Beauty of the Beast TV series. Also in Sons of Anarchy with Katie Seagal. Katie Seagal, of course, was in Married with Children. The best sitcom of all time, I am not going to argue. Is that your favorite one? My, with Running Away. Yes. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> You're leaning back that and scratching show your balls. holds up today. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. Ed O'Neill, Katie Seagal in Married with Children. Ed O'Neill 
is in Little Giants, Mike, with Rick Moranis. The center's not even there. Moranis. Moranis. Stand around, Ted! One of our childhood favorite <laughs> yes. films. We're giant fans. Rick Moranis is in... Uh, Rick, I wonder if you're going to get Rick Moranis' name right. I don't think so. No? <laughs> Rick Moranis is in SCTV with Terrible. Joe Flaherty. Joe Flaherty, of course, is in Freaks and Geeks yeah. with Linda Cardellini. Did you ever watch Freaks and Geeks? I did. You did? Were A you? few of our favorite things. I mean, there's Judd Apatow, yeah. all of the Apatow gang like got their debuts there. Did you but, ever watch SCTV? No, I'd never watched no. SCTV, though. Rick, Rick Moranis does a fantastic Michael McDonald impression during a very famous SCTV really? skit. It's hilarious. Oh, that's a, so that's a sketch show, right? It's SCTV. the Canadian version of SNL. Uh -huh. Back in like the 80s, I want to say early 80s, something like that. You uh, know your TV history. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a loser. Is, uh, no. Loser. <laughs> Audrey Ratajack, frequent flyer at Audrey underscore Ratajack. Uh, George R.R. R. Martin wrote Game of Thrones, where Marjorie Tyrell was played by Natalie Dormer, who was in Hunger Games franchise, which starred Josh yeah. Hutcherson, who was in The Disaster Artist with James Franco and Seth Rogen. The worst wig, who, Josh Hutcherson. <laughs> who met on Freaks and Geeks, starred Linda Cardellini. Again, uh, kind of hot start here for Freaks and Geeks. I I don't think I've ever actually watched the entire series of Freaks and Geeks. Right. I've only seen certain episodes, but I, it's something that I feel like I should go back and binge. It's bite-sized, it's yeah. bingeable, it's both. Robert Doherty, at Robert Doc 1984 says George R.R. R. Martin, wrote Got, starring Sean Bean, mm -hmm. who was in Don't Say a Word with Brittany Murphy. I wonder, I'll never tell. And I wonder if he dies. I don't remember that movie, but I did <laughs> see it. So many movies striking me that way lately. I remember seeing it, I just don't remember the movie. That age. You're turning into your father. I'm so old. Mike, <laughs> Brittany Murphy was in Clueless. She plays a funny character in that. Rolling with the home With Paul Rudd, who is in Anchorman with Katherine Hahn, mm. who is in Bad Moms with Christina Applegate, who was in Dead to Me, an upcoming Netflix show, or who will be in Dead to Me with Linda Cardellini. Yeah, always props anytime you can bring up an upcoming property that uh, previews it for us. So we a lot of our favorite, <laughs> yeah, a lot of our favorite things though, right there. Catherine Hahn, Paul Rudd, Brittany Murphy. Love Catherine Hahn. Excellent. Absolutely love her. Captain Magnifico, Space Comp. <laughs> what a great name. At Doctor Underscore Magnifico, George R. R. Martin created Game of Thrones, which features Indira Varma mm -hmm. as Elaria. 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 God, I do not watch this show. God people. damn you! <laughs> Varma was Vivian in Dragon Age Inquisition alongside Freddie Prince Jr. As the Iron Bull, Freddie Prince Jr. starred in Scooby-Doo with Linda Cardellini. I thought we'd get a lot of Scooby-Doo, or at least a lot more Scooby-Doo than we did as far as Linda Cardellini being tied in there. Great Velma. So I'm watching the show at So I'm Watching said, okay, I had to think about this forever. George R. R. Martin wrote Night Flyers, and he's currently producing it. Mm -hmm. With Gretchen Mole starring, uh, and Gretchen Mole was in Manchester by the Sea with Michelle Williams, who is best friends with Busy That's Phillips. That's good. I like that. I like Famously that. best friends, yes. Famously best friends, who was in Freaks and Geeks with Linda Cardellini. So again, Freaks and Geeks, just a just a port in the storm here. A very similar chain here from Talk Zone Radio. Amazingly, uh, George R. R. Martin episode of Night Flyers starring Gretchen Mole, Manchester by the Sea with Casey Affleck, Assassination of Jesse James with Jeremy Renner, Age of Ultron with Linda Cardellini. So a bit of a departure there, but we get to the same place at the end. They should be best friends. <laughs> and podcast about something at APA something says George R. R. Martin. Did I do this ready? No, no, I didn't. No. This is Sharknado 3. <laughs> How did I not? All right, George R. R. Martin in Sharknado 3? What? <laughs> I can't believe people went the George R. R. Martin acting real route. In Sharknado 3 with Rick Fox. Of course fucking Rick Fox was in Sharknado 3. Rick Fox was in Blue Chips with Shaq. Fantastic movie. Who's in Uncle Drew. Less fantastic of a movie. Still watchable, though. Who's in Uncle Drew with Mike Epps. Who was in The Hangover. He's very funny in that. With Justin Bartha. Justin Bartha's in National Treasure with John Voight who is terrible in Transformers with Tyrese, <laughs> who is terrible in Too Fast, Too Furious with Paul Walker. I'm sorry, I do not apologize for that. Jesus. Who is terrible in Into the Blue with Josh Brolin. No, he wasn't in Into the Blue. He must have been. Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin was in Into the Blue. You have to check that. I, I can't believe these things. Anyway, Josh Brolin uh, in Age of Ultron with Linda Cardellini. Why would Josh Brolin have taken that role? These are all great questions. He played Bates in Into the Blue, Josh Brolin did. Why were you in that movie, Josh Brolin? What have you wrought, Six Degrees of MMO? <laughs> what? Starring is going a line on? alongside Tyson Beckford. Unbelievable. All right. Well, 
that happened, I guess. Couple more quick ones going on here. Netflix and Swill. At Netflix N, letter N, Swill. I have had this ready since release day, they said. <laughs> Linda Cardellini with James Marsden in Dead to Me, who was with Peter Dinklage in X-Men Days of Future Past, George R.R. R. Martin in Game of Thrones. A nice, quick, and short one there. Matt Cohen follows that up. At Cinema MD Podcast. The movie Doctor. George R.R. R. Martin, Peter Dinklage, Game of Thrones with Joey, Zoe Deschanel. Or just Joey, I guess their brother Deschanel, in Elf. Zoe Deschanel in Elf with James Franco, who was in Your Highness with Linda Cardellini. Those kind of go backwards and forwards on one another there. And I'll read another quick one here. Superfan Otter wins my Miss Congeniality Award. <laughs> because he says, George R. R. Martin has been on every red carpet in Hollywood for the last five years. Instead of finishing his books on it... <laughs> On at least one of those occasions, so was Linda Cardellini. Do I win? <laughs> you, you win the Miss Congeniality That's not a award. bitter Game of Thrones fan at all. <laughs> Song of I Fire agree with and Ice. Him, yeah. uh, Swamp Thing at Wojciech Oviscor. I apologize if we mispronounce that name. Wojciech uh, submits an awful lot. Uh, at W-O-J-C-I-E-C-H-W-I-E-C-Z-O-R. Linda Cardellini went to school with Busy Phillips, whose BFF is Michelle Williams. I love how that friendship has been highlighted a couple times. We're bringing friends together. Who <laughs> was a roommate with Christina Ricci, who liked falling asleep during Lord of the Rings, uh, <laughs> Fellowship of the Rings, which contains death scenes of a character played by Sean Bean, same as George Martin, uh, George R.R. R. Martin in Game of Thrones, uh, using a lot of tangential relationships there. Those are quite tangential. <laughs> I can't verify None of that. We've been stopping and pausing to verify things. None of that there. Uh, Swamp Thing did another one. Linda Carnalini attended Loyola Marymount University. Same as Patricia Wichner, who produced Godzilla Mike with Elizabeth Olsen in a role there. She plays Wanda Maximoff uh, in an X-Men movie, I believe. No, she plays oh, no, Scarlet Witch. All right. She's okay, Witch. of course. Whose father is Magneto? In the, in the comics. Oh, Played by Michael Fassbender, mm -hmm. a friend of Liam Cunningham. That one's really good. Yeah. A.K.A. Dabo Seaworth and George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones. That's Ma very good. That's I like that one a lot. Yeah. Mark Burgundy at the one hand. Last week's winner. Cardellini was in Scooby-Doo with Andrew Brynarski. That has to be an IMDb search. Uh, unless you yeah. are... Part of the Brynarski family and can recite that filmography. Who was in Street Fighter with Wes Studi, who was in Deep West Street Fighter. My God, what a movie. Uh, was in Deep Rising with Treat Williams, who was in Flashpoint with Rip Torn, who was in Mission, uh, Men in Black, I'm sorry, with Tommy Lee Jones, who was in Blown Away with Lloyd Bridges, who was in Night Flyers, written by George R.R. R. Martin. All right, Lloyd Bridges is going to be in Night Flyers. Mike, the winner this week, I think we both agree. Yes. Is the depressed moviegoer. <laughs> Finally, getting this moment. Depressed movie says George R.R. R. Martin was parodied by Bobby Moynihan on SNL back in 2014. Mm. Moynihan was the co head writer on SNL along with Colin Jost. Jost is in a relationship with Scarlett Johansson. Yeah who was in Avengers Age of Ultron with Linda Cardellini. Yeah, so. Bobby Moynihan at one time the co-writer the co -writer of SNL and now banned by Colin Jost, who is batting way above his uh, <laughs> his capabilities by dating Scarlett Johansson there. So he's depressed, but he's got a mind for movie, <laughs> not like just knowledge and trivia and a lot of things, just an awareness Personal of pop relationships. Culture. Yeah, yeah. Uh, congratulations, the depressed movie goer at depressed movie. You get bragging rights. Bragging is what you rights. get. You are the king of all things six degrees of MMO for this week. Uh, but let's see if you can defend your crown for next week. We have a challenge, still Game of Thrones related though, Michael. It has to be for maybe it has to be every week during the Game of Thrones while it's lasting. <laughs> we'll see about that. <laughs> see if I can get it. But I'm trying to pander to you here because there's something wrestling i appreciate well. that i so, see it lena Headey, who plays cersei lannister cersei lannister on game of thrones lena Headey to roman reigns who's going to show up in the trailer mike for hobbs and, hobbs shaw. and shaw yeah he's got a role i was he was recovering from leukemia out away from the ring that was a big story in wrestling circles that he had a role the rock gave him a role uh, in hobbs and shaw but that's going to be your six degrees challenge this week lena Headey, of course most notably uh, of Dread remake fame to Roman Reigns. Mike didn't catch that joke. Roman Reigns to the, the second link there. <laughs> I'm looking around the room right now. Of Dread fame? Yeah, Lena Headey. That's why. I, that's, oh, I, yeah. When you say Lena Headey, I know her as the bad guy from Dread because I don't watch Game of Thrones. 
Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry that he had to explain that joke. Oh, we've been recording a while. Let's do a box office update real quick. The curse of Yadona. I'm sorry for the mispronunciation. 11.8 million on Friday. We're recording this Saturday uh, afternoon. So right now it's projected to get 24 to 26 million, Mike. It's got a B-minus cinema score, but Box Office Mojo is, is saying it's going to make, make bank. We got Fox's Breakthrough, the one where the kid falls in the ice and gets saved. And I can't believe people are seeing this movie. They prayed about it, so he gets saved. I so can't believe that. 14 to $15 million for a five-day opening and a $11 million projection for the three-day. We have Disney's Nature's Penguins. Looks like it made... Less than a million on Friday, but it's it's doing okay here. So, bottom line is the top five on Friday was Curse of La La Yarona. Shazam was number two with almost with six million breakthrough with three point eight. Captain Marvel still making money with three point one. A lot of people seeing Captain yeah. Marvel ahead of Avengers Endgame. Little the the remake of Big or the reimagining of Big made two point eight. Dumbo two point seven. Missing Link. Really, DOA, 1.7. Pet Cemetery, a movie we reviewed, 1.7. And it's now up to an $85 million total gross off a $21 or $21 million budget, Mike. And then Us made 1.4, and that is now up to 239 off a $20 million budget. So... That's the box office update. Right. Yeah, it's tough to do on a, on a Saturday. We don't have the only have the Friday numbers, but uh, the important thing is uh, nobody cares about this week because <laughs> everybody's just yeah. waiting for Endgame to come out on Thursday, and that's kind of going to run things for the box office for the next few weeks, I would imagine. Uh, let's talk about Do You Care? This is the Do You Care section. This is where we take new, set, new stories of the week and we ask ourselves, do we, should we, or will we care about them? Only two stories for us this week. Uh, the first one is always going to be the releases coming up this week. Uh, more out of, you know, formality than anything else. But do you care about Endgame coming out, Mike? Of course I gosh darn <laughs> do. Mike, uh, The White Crow's also coming out. Ralph Fiennes' movie about ballet. So I don't really care about that. But then again, I care about Ralph Fiennes. I think he's one of the most underrated people in Hollywood. There was a film Twitter conversation yeah. going on this week talking about how much he's done. He's amazing. So I'm curious. And why would he make a movie about ballet dancers? Because and he can do anything. <laughs> I guess he can. So maybe I do care about that. Mike, the, a story this week on Slash Film, and we talked about a lot of the news stories at the top of the show with the Oscar race update, so this will end Do You Care here. But on Slash Film, one of our favorite writers, yet again uh, mentioning Chris Evangelista here, said that Movie Pass is nearly dead. It has lost 90% of its subscribers. Do you care about that? And then I have an addendum. How many stories of movie pass is almost dead are we going to have before this fucking company goes into the ground I just love the way he wrote this because he he gives you a big setup and then he's like of course <laughs> I'll leave I'll, I won't bear I won't step on his joke there but he nails it I mean, this thing's been dying since it was revealed, and the yeah. fact that it's around at all is probably, should take it as a win, but you just, it's time for it to go bye-bye. Here's something interesting, though. A quote at the end of the article says, While the future looks bleak for Movie Pass, Business Insider adds that the other movie ticket subscription services are doing just fine. Services offered by AMC Theaters and Cinemark are working well, as is the service offered by Cinemia. I got to get back into to Cinemania Train. I'm paying the money. They got me. I, I am a perfect customer of You're theirs because I am paying for it and I do not use it because I had trouble using it the one time and I just haven't gotten around to trying to get back on the horse. They're still charging. Yeah. So, all right, we care about a, a couple things this week. Obviously, we care, cared about the Oscar race update at the beginning of the show, Mike, but we got some trailer thoughts. Trailer thoughts here. Trailer thoughts. Four trailers to get through that they viewed this week. We're going to start uh, with the first one. The second, yeah, I guess, is the full trailer for the Child's Play movie. We finally get a little bit of Mark Hamill in our lives. Finally get a little Mark Hamill at the end of this trailer saying something, which was fine. Yeah. I, this yeah. is a full-blown horror that, movie trailer, right? That, 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 that noise. little noise you made is how I feel. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I'm not a huge fan, and I wanted to be a huge fan of this. Yeah, well, it's it's like... I said to you when we were watching, it's so tough now in horror to have, in 2019, a movie about an evil doll be scary. Yeah. It's it's a high bar to cross. 
I guess they're doing it. The approach seems to be more like robotic, more mechanical type thing. Technological horror, Black Mirror, Final Destination type thing. So I get that. That's kind of cool. The toys like an Alexa or a Siri. Yeah. Which you know, is cool. Siri, which is I, I like that part, but why not make it funny? You know, I mean, yeah. the original Child's Play, half the appeal is that he's kind of funny because he's so sick and weird, and the voice is so strange, and it's and it's a gag that yeah. this evil doll is doing stuff. Still excited for it. Still love to see uh, Aubrey Plaza in that role. I'm excited to see her. So uh, to me, this looks very generic, and I'm I'm a little disappointed in this trailer. A little disappointed. I agree. Uh, but I didn't love the trailers for Get Out, so who knows? Well, let's talk about Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> I actually love the trailers. This for is the Expendables without the self awareness. <laughs> right, but they, they just—they're just leaning into the whole shtick, right? I mean, what this does just this looks have fun. to do with the Fast and Furious? Who cares, Mike? <laughs> this is utterly pro- preposterous. Premise is just—we got cars. You're not going to find a more fa- a bigger fan of the Rock yeah. than me. He is becoming overly protected in his brand. Yeah. Like he has no adversity in this clip. He is always the tough guy with the last line. He's always the guy that has the easiest time knocking out the giant baddie. There's a lot of fun stuff in here with uh, them, sure. those two guys, you know, pulling pranks on each other. There's a lot of good 40-year-old bro What prank time. does Jason Statham pull on The Rock? Well, The Rock pulls on, on him. <laughs> no, you're right. In this trailer, but in the in the other trailer, wasn't there... Oh, there was. Because they're going to go back and forth. In the other trailer, The Rock is basically ziplining down the... Uh, the, the skyscraper okay. and Jason Statham's just in the elevator. Remember? And then, so <laughs> that the, still makes the rock look like a badass! <laughs> but they're both pulling pranks on the other. Alright. Uh, I don't know. This is preposterous. Nuts. <laughs> this looks absolutely preposterous. It's totally an action junkie warfare type thing. They're leaning into it. Yeah. They, the characters are underdogs. Knives versus... Uh, knives and axes versus guns, and then cars and trucks versus helicopters. And, and I like that they're letting Idris Elba just have his English, British accent. He's, he's got a lot of char- charisma yeah. in, in, in these two trailers with the whole scene where he's kind of half-torturing them and there's some funny lines there. And then you have him now, he's like, I'm Black Superman, which is kind of funny line. And then at the end, they're doing the whole big thing with the, 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 <laughs> the dance there, yeah. the tribal dance, oh, which yeah, is yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he's like, all right. Yeah. So they're giving his character a lot. To Roman like. Reigns gets a couple flashes of screen time. That was cool to see, so... I'll watch it, but whatever. <laughs> it's exactly what you think it is. But right, well, we will watch it. So, Dark Phoenix had its final trailer come out. I don't understand the outrage about it. This looks like every other X Men movie. I'm gonna agree with you, strangely enough, here because the trailer sets up more of a showdown, which I think is a smarter move. Yeah. Like we're not getting into the mystery of it. We're not getting into the complexity of it with the whole psychological thriller angle with Jessica Chastain. She's shown in the beginning of this trailer, but basically this trailer is, all right, there's evil in space. It comes upon Jean Grey. Oh, wow, she's so powerful enough to, to withstand it. But Jean Grey is a bad evil force at the end of this movie. It turns into one, and she's got to fight all the X. And it looks like Magneto's going full face in this one. Like he's turning into a full fledged good guy. No. But this is what it is. It's face versus right. heel, that's, right? That's I mean, fine. It's, I mean, huh. I, at what point do we stop comparing X-Men to the MCU? During the reboot? <laughs> when Disney finally reboots it? Like, this isn't... It's not an MCU. It's not the MCU. It's just not. It's true. But then again, there's a, there's a literal apocalypse multiple times in the X-Men storyline. Yeah. We loved the story as kids. I mean, there's definitely the undercurrent of, you know, the misfits of society like, you know, the, sure. There's, the, there's a there's a subtext for homosexuals throughout. Yeah. You know, any and kind the, of repressed and the, minority and the marginalized. So yeah. that could be here in an X Men film. It's a little on the nose in the other films. But, I mean, you think, you're, but that okay, it could be here, sure. But you you think they're finally gonna that light's gonna snap on for them in their seventh movie? X Men could be more substantive, is what I'm saying. And I guess yeah, you're not wrong, but I like why expect that anymore. It's not going to be. It wasn't in the last yeah, film. Exactly. It doesn't not, seem to be in this one. Yeah. Uh, I, I will watch. I, I'm a stand. I'm a shill for the X Men series. This right. this could literally this could be nothing. I'll see it, but I'll, I'll probably it. wait and I'll see it on, on yeah. video. Uh, Skin was the final one that came out. A24 property. It's about a little bit of American history X vibe. It's about a a person yeah. a skinhead that's in deep with the the Nazi and the white privilege and is kind of trying to separate themselves from it. And it, uh, all the problems that that leads to. Yeah, I mean, going to war with skinheads who raised you after you try to break free yeah. with from them. You got Bill Camp, who's a great actor. I love him. He's like in charge of the skinheads here. 
you got an interesting action slash drama premise. Uh, July 26th release date. Uh, director won an Oscar for the short film Skin, which is one that we missed. We saw most of the Oscar-nominated shorts. Right. We did miss that one. I don't know if it's a direct adaptation of the short film, but it's cool to see a filmmaker landing a movie very quickly after the Oscars, yeah. just a couple months. So obviously, you know, he got his short film did the rounds, impressed some people. And he got to basically shoot this whole movie in that time span. So it's great to see Guy Nativ getting fast-tracked coming out of the Oscar Shorts program. Yeah, it uh, really looks interesting, really riveting, Rach. It's A24. Yeah. It's probably not going to be up for awards at the end of the day. They release these art films in the strangest time slots, right? Get yeah, in out, July. They don't really follow it up, and at least ja- recent ja- history. Jamie Bell is saying it's the best performance of, uh, of his career, and he's done a lot of good stuff. Interesting score, too. It's really sounded kind of like a horror movie, like a little yeah. bit of a get out with that single plucking of strings type thing going on. Uh, yeah, I'm in. I didn't think I would be. No, I, it, looks, it certainly looks interesting enough, and I loved American History X. Uh, right. it's, it's a great movie. Yeah, that's it. That's what happened this week, and that's setting you up for next week, and we want to hear your thoughts, any concerns, questions, thoughts, or, or anything you have for us about any of these stories or more. Get at us. Mike, Mike, and I Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere. You hear podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, etc., etc. Uh, be sure to be on the lookout for those Six Degrees entries. Be sure to be on the lookout for any MMO asks that we put on Twitter during the week. And we have a whole lot of stuff coming this week as far as getting you ready for Endgame. We do. We got like a four and a half episode arc, so mm. we're excited about that. Uh, words of wisdom, though, Mike? I think uh, I want George R. R. Martin to write me uh, another book. You think so, huh? I think I agree. <laughs> I think I agree with Superfan Otter. But really going on a limb to end this episode. In the meantime, though, I'm gonna just enjoy the show, which is which is fun. So Seems I'm wise. in a good. I'm in a good place. Are you gonna Amazon's. Are you gonna have like an emotional breakdown when this is over? I hope he releases the book pretty soon after, you know, soon after that, or at least makes the announcement. So, and I hope that's a different experience. We talked about this last sure. week. <laughs> So I, I, I'm, I, I can't wait till Sunday night. Um, you don't have to wait long. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> Guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch movies with us. Uh, have a great week, and we will check you out next time. See ya.